Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello! Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. It's Pauline, and today I am with Cynthia, who is currently living in Brighton in the UK. She's going to tell us about her first few experiences of living abroad as no pair. So you're going to know exactly how it works and the great benefits of this experience abroad. And then we'll jump off to Cambodia for her culture shock. So let's jump in. Hello, Cynthia. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on this episode. I am excited to hear about the whole au pair thing as I, mm-hmm. we haven't discussed it yet. So I think there'll probably be uh, lots of questions on my side. I've heard a lot about it, but never experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a lot of very interesting things to talk about. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So before we start with that piece, uh, maybe just quickly introduce yourself to the auditors. Yeah, sure. Um, so like you said, my name is Cynthia. I'm 26 years old. I'm currently living in England. Um, I am originally from France. Um, and I did leave France when I was about 19. So I've been traveling and living abroad yeah. for I have to say you time. don't have the French accent either. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Some people kind of guess it. Some people don't. <laughs> right. So let's start from the beginning what led you abroad in the first place and how did mm-hmm. you start that yeah sure so I developed this kind of want to move abroad when I was um leaving high school right and so when I joined university I studied English and German and I just really wanted to experience living abroad but I didn't manage to get a spot on the exchange program because it was quite busy that year and I thought oh I wonder if I could do something else maybe during the summer and that's when I discovered the au pair community and I thought maybe that's something I could do Um, so I joined some websites and I did manage to find a family so I went to the US Um, I went to Phoenix Arizona and I spent three months there okay and First of all, how did you stumble about upon au pair? Had you heard about it before, or did you were you just researching how to go abroad when I'm nineteen years old? So I hadn't really heard about it, um, but I think the first time I kind of stumbled upon it was because I used to work in a child center in the summer, right? And I think one of my colleagues did that um, au pair before, so they kind of told me about it. Okay. Um, and then when I started to research, I thought, oh, that would be a great idea because it's quite easy and the sense of security as well. Mm-hmm. So in in terms of sense of security, how did you feel that it brought you a bit more comfort and maybe was easier than mm-hmm. just packing your bags on your own? I think for me, it was mainly the idea of being with the family, even though mm-hmm. I didn't know them, but just kind of having that support that would be there anyway and yeah. just living in a home with people not being kind of left on my own you know true yeah the fact that you are with a family I guess it does help a lot that you have someone you can turn to and exactly. ask questions and you're you're not on the street <laughs> in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah especially when it's your first time moving abroad I feel like it's quite a 
a good thing to start with. Yeah. And so you started your research. How did you settle on one specific site or association to help you through this process? To be honest, I just kind of researched on Google as we all do. And um, <laughs> I looked on all the different websites and I just found one that looked very good. It's called Opair World. It's one that's very popular. Um, it's been used by a lot of people, obviously. And it was very kind of easy. You could put in lots of um, criteria. So like, how many kids, what sort of area, if you wanted the countryside or the city, um, and lots of details, like if it was a smoking family, non-smoking, mm. what languages they speak, so a lot of details, and I found that quite interesting and helpful. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you could uh, really select with those specific mm. uh, specific criterias. And so had you already in mind, I wanted to be the US and a specific area or were you open? So yeah, at that time I was really um, interested in the US because, you know, I'd spent my whole teenage years watching TV shows and reading books <laughs> in the US and I had this big idea of the American dream and everything. Um, I didn't have any particular city or anything in the US I was just really wanted to experience America so I looked for that um, and yeah that's how I landed in Phoenix <laughs> Phoenix right and in terms of uh, criteria with the family or even connecting before you actually get accepted on the program uh, with the family how does that how does that work do you have calls interviews with mm -hmm. different families do they get sort of match also on their mm -hmm. side looking for au pairs so basically on that website you kind of create a profile for yourself and then you search for family profiles right. and you can see their photos and all the info you can write a little text about yourself and then if you find someone that you think might be a good match you can contact them via message and then usually what happens or what's happened for me both times is that you have sort of a Skype interview with them. Okay. Um, so they can ask you a question, you ask them a question, you kind of see if you're a good fit and then you go from there. Right. And what type of questions would uh, the family or even were you interested in knowing? I think the family is mostly about your experience with kids, obviously, um, to make sure that you are responsible and trustworthy all of that good stuff because obviously for them it's quite important because you yeah. will be in charge of the children so it's quite a big deal and then for me on my side was mostly about more of like a feeling if I felt like we would get on and if they were the kind of people that I would want to spend time with because at the end of the yeah. day even if you work for them it's still going to be becoming sort of your family as well because you'll be you know spending family time together doing stuff going holiday trust so it's quite important I think yeah and you're going to be living in their in their home also so mm -hmm. you'll see them every day most of the day yeah really. <laughs> so yeah I do feel that you you want to get along with them as mm -hmm. much uh, as much as possible right let's go back a little bit in terms of experience with kids uh so what type of experience did you have and are there specific requirements so I don't think there's any requirements. It depends on the family, really, because they all have different things that they want you to have done or not. But for me, I had done some babysitting and I had done, um, yeah, I used to work in a child center in the summer where we do like play with the kids and take them on outings and things like yeah. that. 
Okay, so yeah, not necessarily needed a diploma, but like having no. some uh, some minimum experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, like some families will want more, uh, maybe diplomas and things like that, but you really have to just kind of pick what you want. Hmm. Okay. And so you matched with this family in Phoenix. Uh, tell us a little bit about your arrival and your first first few weeks. How did you mm-hmm. settle in and start getting along with the kids? Yeah, sure. So I remember when I first arrived, the first feeling was, but what have I done? Because, <laughs> um, of course, you know, I, was not, I never left France before when I was on my okay. own. Yeah, that's a big step then. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, they were lovely so lucky that I, I met them and they're really welcome to do everything they could to make me feel at home but you know when you when you first arrive somewhere it's always very kind of stressful at first I remember I couldn't eat for a few days because I was <laughs> so stressed but then after a few days I got used to a bit more got to learn the kids and everything and it was really really lovely because when you start to feel a bit more comfortable it becomes easier hmm. um, and so what does a typical a typical day look like when you're starting or when you're full-time uh, au pair well at least in this family with you yeah sure so they had four kids um so and they yeah <laughs> yeah and they were quite young kids as well I think the oldest was six years old so they were oh, all wow. at home most of the time because they were doing homeschooling as well so it was a lot of uh, time at home spending you know, preparing food or playing with them, doing homework, things like that. And then you do a bit of house cleaning duties and things like that, as you would as a family. Um, but yeah, lots of times playing, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fun, to be fair. And so those kids were homeschooled. Does that mean that would you have to teach them or just do the homework? Who was actually doing the, the teaching? So it was actually the mum. So she was teaching all the kids. Um, so I didn't have to do any of the teaching myself. Okay. Is that a common thing around Phoenix or just specifically this family? No, I don't think. I think it's just they they, they wanted to do that because the mum was French and the dad was American. And so I think that was a bit of a mixed family as well, which was maybe the reason why. I'm not too sure. But no, I don't think it's that common, to be fair. Okay. Yeah, I've never really heard of uh, families doing full home- homeschooling for their kids, especially when you have four. It's uh, a <laughs> to handle, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about the cultural differences. So you were living in a family, uh, American family, full time. What did you notice uh, really different to your growing up in France then? I mean, there's quite a lot of differences, obviously. Um, I think the first obvious thing when you arrive there is that everything is bigger, yeah. <laughs> whether it's um, cars, the roads, the houses. I mean, I come from a countryside village in France, so that was quite a big <laughs> shock. And then in terms of food, it's obviously not the same. It was a lot of like processed food and fast food and things like that. <laughs> Back home, it was a lot of homemade vegetables and things. Um, I really enjoyed it because, you know, it was fun to try new things. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's lots of uh, big outings and holidays and things like that where we went on, like, trips to San Francisco and Las Vegas. It's all very nice. grand and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and so you would go on holidays with the, with the family? Yeah, yeah. So basically when they went on holiday, I went along and kind of helped 
with really children nice. as well. Um, so that's a really good thing when you are an au pair is that most of the time the family will take you on holiday with them. So you get to also discover um, different parts of the country you are in. Yeah. And so is there a little bit of this, um, I don't know when I'm working, when I'm off piece that some people may struggle with? Well, it depends on, on the family you are with, but most of the time they will give you days off where you just do your own thing. So you don't really have to take care of the children's on those yeah. days and you can kind of do your own thing. Yeah, that's nice. And just in terms of benefits, when, when you're an au pair, you're what your house, what's the sort of included mm -hmm. in the package yeah sure so you are in their home so you don't pay any yeah. rent they feed you they wash your clothes out of that and then they also pay you a small amount of money every week or every month depending on what you've um discussed yeah, what's prior it's kind of like pocket money some money you can use for yeah. your your own things and everything so it's quite that's nice it. because when you don't have a lot of savings really you just yeah. have to pay for the plane ticket or sometimes the family actually does pay for the plane ticket it depends well yeah it is quite comfortable especially when you're you're quite young and you can't always mm. work at that age or it's just complicated in terms of visas you don't do you need a working visa for au pair how does that work so it depends. Um, for the US, if you're going for less than three months, you don't need a visa. So I didn't actually need one. If you're staying for more than three months, then you do need a visa. And I think if you do, you actually need to go through a an agency because you need like a special sort of visa. Yeah, it's your. But I didn't do that, so yeah. A little bit paid, right? Mm -hmm. And were you able to meet people your age or other? pairs or how did you make friends um, during those three months so those three months um, I didn't actually do much on my own um, I think as I was still quite young in my head and also it was my mm. first time I kind of sticked with family and their sort of friends and family and it was also quite like three months I didn't really it's quite short in a way yeah I mean I did have another experience as an au pair a few years after where I, I did meet lots of friends but yeah that time around was mostly spent with the family and their sort of um, friend circle right okay so you did these uh, three months and you're mentioning you did a second uh, au pair experience so mm -hmm. tell me what you what you enjoyed that much and what made you want to start again a second uh, a second time when I um, came back from my first experience abroad I really had it in me to just go abroad again um, because I just loved the feeling um, and so after studying and studying abroad for a bit I thought maybe I could try and do the opera thing again because I didn't have that much money saved um, and I thought I really want to travel and um, that's why I decided to this time try it for a full year so okay. I joined that same website again. <laughs> it <laughs> works the first time. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And this time I decided to go to Australia, so quite far away. <laughs> yeah, much um, Yeah, and I just... Why Australia? Oh, I just thought it was such a beautiful country and I just really wanted to experience living there. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that second... That second experience, this time you were a little bit older, you had already had uh, an au pair experience. How'd... 
did you live it a bit differently? Um, I think I was 21 when I left. So obviously I had a bit more life experience and I had done a few trips in between. So I was a bit more um, used to being abroad um, and I had done some work, etc. So yeah, it was definitely different. Um, I didn't feel that sense of um, stress and everything when I arrived. It was easier to kind of adapt, I would say. And the kids that were taking off were a bit older as well. So it was different work experience too. And because I stayed for a full year, I had so much more time to do things on my own and travel on yeah. my own and make lots of friends. And so it was really, really different experience. So on the friends side, how did you sort of connect with uh, with people and socialize when uh, mm -hmm. you were still working, but through work you couldn't necessarily meet people? So for me, I think the main ways to meet people were au pair groups so I would mm -hmm. go on Facebook and find um, for example I was in Melbourne so I would look for au pairs in Melbourne and there's always like au pair groups for all the cities where you can kind of find the other girls that are doing the same thing and then you, you just meet up for whether it's a drink or a restaurant or whatever okay. that's one thing and then I would also do some language exchange so meet um, locals that wanted to learn French Mm -hmm. to kind of help them and make friends along the way as well. So it's been quite nice too. And so you're talking about um, teaching French to some locals. Was that something also with the children? Was there a language exchange side to it? Were you just um, full-time English with them? With those kids, it was mostly English. I would teach them some French words here and there, and then you know they wanted to know how to say their names and <laughs> just a few things here and there. So it was more like fun, but they didn't actually want to learn the whole the whole language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. And what about the bonding with the with the kids? Do you do you feel like are you still in touch with them today? Is it how how close have you become to the two different families you've experienced? So the first family, I kind of lost contact with them after some years. Um, but the second family, I'm still very, very close to. Um, they're like my little sisters. I actually <laughs> went back to surprise them this year after four years. Oh, wow. We planned it with the mum. Um, hmm. And I went to spend a month there before the whole pandemic happened. Um, so, yeah, and that was so amazing to see them after so long because they've grown so much. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice, yeah, to be able to see them evolve a little bit, especially when you you babysit sat them for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I spent every single day with them for full years. So for me, they're like my family, and I'm yeah. their family too. And I think it creates a really, really strong bond when you spend a whole year working with people. I and it wasn't even for me and for them. It's just having a for them. It's like having a big sister, hmm. which is really cool. Um, but it, it makes me think the, um, the leave must be heartbreaking for them oh god and, you know, for you also <laughs> it's it's honestly it's so many tears oh. <laughs> it's heartbreaking because you know you you like I said you just become so close and then all of a sudden you just have to say goodbye but like they told me you know goodbyes are not forever and you know you're yeah. always gonna see them again so <laughs> Yeah, of course, but then Australia is quite a right to get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and also when they're kids, they don't always really understand. You know, they're like, "Oh, why well, are you leaving?" And I don't want you to leave. <laughs> yeah, but, it's difficult uh, yeah. to explain that I was just here for a limited time. Right? It's time mm. to go back. Do they? 
did those family take au pairs on a regular basis and maybe like there's a new one coming in later on? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. they had au pairs for, I think, eight years. They don't have oh, that wow. anymore because they, they, um, big, enough. big enough now. Um, and then the other family was the same. They had many, many au pairs before and after me. So yeah, some family just kind of go with au pairs for, yeah, eight, ten, depending on how many years they want them for. So you definitely recommend the uh, the au pair uh, program? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I would just say like to anyone who wants to maybe do this to make sure that they get in touch with girls that have done au pair with that family also mm. just to have their kind of feedback because I've heard some stories, you know, you need to be careful because you don't know, yeah. you know, what the people are going to be like. So I think it's very important to make sure you're, Get in it's touch with girls family. that have worked with them and just kind of make sure they're all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we do hear terror and horror stories yeah. about pairs that went terribly wrong. So I get mm-hmm. safety points is uh, clearly important, but it's good to know there are ways to actually check before. Um, yeah, for sure. Before you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if they are amazing families, they would usually be more than happy to give you, you know, the previous au pairs emails and mm-hmm. for you to get in touch. So. Yeah. And so you're talking about the au pair community. Is it a very strong, strong community? Do you feel like you've made real friends that you continue to see or stay in touch with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's quite nice because we all kind of have the same sort of free time when the kids are at school. And then we can share experience and we kind of have the same sort of mindset. So it's really lovely. And it's always girls from different countries as well. So it's really interesting. And it's been really nice. And I still, have some of them that I'm in touch with still so it's, yeah it's nice <laughs> it's funny you, you you say girl so I guess it's it, it's mainly a feminine a feminine job but is there also guys doing our pairs yeah yeah I just say girls but it's it's <laughs> mainly girls but they do they are some, some boys yeah I have met a few not many for sure but they are some <laughs> but um I think most of them are with family with boys mm. I, yeah, I've, I haven't met any yeah. boy or pair who's with like girls, girls. yeah <laughs> that makes yeah. sense <laughs> yeah it does okay cool do you feel that this sort of shaped you I mean you definitely say um the first experience abroad maybe you want to go abroad again there's two questions that I want to ask here what in the abroad experience brought you that adrenaline or excitement that made you want to continue moving and also has the more generally au pair side shaped you in in a way or another mm-hmm. well, i think the first thing is that when you're abroad and when you leave abroad there's that sense of like adventure and excitement and mm. you are always discovering new things whether it's a new you know part of the city you are in or new foods new people new culture and it's really exciting and i think when you start doing it you realize that there's so much more in the world that you could see and discover and I think that's why I kind of wanted to do it again and again <laughs> nice and then on the au pair side I think it helped me grow up and become more mature and responsible well, you were definitely because... responsible for a lot of children <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know when you when you're 19 and and you, you start to actually have kids you need to take care of it helps you really yeah. kind of grow up a bit quicker and I think that was really good and nice so let's fast forward a little bit and um, talk about your experience in Cambodia and how mm-hmm. all of that came up. 
Yeah, sure. So after my year in Australia, I finished um, my first degree. Mm-hmm. And I decided at that point that I would be interested in doing hospitality degree. So I signed up for this one-year degree in France where you had to do six months at uni and then six months was a um, an internship abroad, which was great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can go grow abroad again. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. And then Cambodia came out of the blue. Basically, I as soon as I knew I was needed to do a an abroad internship, yeah. I put up a like a message on on a Facebook or I can't remember what it was. It was maybe it was a website actually to kind of say, oh yeah, I'm looking for an internship abroad. If you have any opportunity, blah blah. Yeah. And this guy sent me a message saying, oh, I'm French and I have this hotel in Cambodia. Would you be interested to do internship here? Wow. And I remember thinking, where is Cambodia? Like I didn't <laughs> even know. I had to look it up on a map. <laughs> and before then, I really never really thought about going to Asia. Never really mm. had any sort of interest. Um, and I thought, you know what? This is an opportunity that I'm never ever gonna get again. Yeah. I'm never going to like live in, in Asia or in Cambodia for six months in my life. So I need to do it. Um, so I looked it up. The hotel looked so good, so beautiful. And I thought, I'm going to do it. And I left Cambodia and I worked there for six months. Wow. So where was the hotel in Cambodia? Um, so it was in Simrup. Okay. Which is the famous Angkor Temple city. <laughs> yeah, it's the only place I've actually seen in Cambodia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people, when they go to Cambodia, go there first. So, yeah, it's quite a touristy city, especially nowadays. Okay, so how did you sort of plan for this these six months to Cambodia? Or So the hotel planned for my accommodation which was really oh. good because it meant i didn't have to worry about that side That's of things very handy yes. <laughs> yeah it was so good um and then in terms of visa it was quite easy because all i really had to do was go on a website pay some money for a visa and then as soon as i got there they got me my business visa so the company did so they're yeah. really good that they kind of took care of most of the admin side of things that's nice <laughs> Yeah, and then for the flights, I just booked a flight, and yeah, it was quite easy, actually. Okay, great. So you arrived there, and happened? What were your first impressions or surprises? (laughs) My first impression, as soon as I stepped out of the plane, was, wow, it's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot and damp. Yeah, exactly, it's that hot heavy weather yeah, it's sort of like a heat wave had just landed on God, you yeah. and you come out and you're all sweaty when mm-hmm. you come out of aircon plane <laughs> exactly yeah i mean you can't see right now but i'm really white and for me like that was a lot <laughs> i don't deal that much with the heat and i can i can tell now that this weather is not meant for me <laughs> so that was the first kind of thing and then obviously um, having spent a lot of time in Europe, the US, um, Australia, it was very be in Asia, especially in Cambodia, which is a poor mm. country. Um, so everything was just different. There was nothing sort of similar. Yeah, especially that Siem Reap is. The, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's this main street with all the uh, all the mm. hotels, like a sort of 
street, other street with all the bars, touristy bars,、mm-hmm. and maybe a small market, and、mm-hmm. then the temples. But th- th- there's no real city apart from that. Yeah, I mean they are building so many hotels now,、um, which is a bit sad in a way because they're just turning it into this big touristy city. But like you said, yeah, yeah it's that pub street they call it, where they just have all those bars. But that's just being created for tourists. So the actual、yeah. Cambodian. Um, like culture is kind of being erased in some places,、mm. which is kind of sad.、Uh, but then when you kind of meet with locals and they take you places, you can still see that.、Um, okay, so yeah, you can find the the authentic、yeah. piece at some point. You can, but you just have to sort of leave the touristy places and get to know people that can kind of show you them. But unfortunately, it's term- turning into something very, very touristy and kind of. Money making, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, they don't get authorization for that water park next to us, but we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. And so, what about your integration in one working in the hotel, but also settling in and sort of taking your your marks、uh, in this whole new whole new pace?、Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough that it was a owned hotel, so there was a few French. People that were working there as interns as well, so I got to meet them, and they sort of helped me、um, adjust a bit easily.、Yeah. And then、um, one of my friends from uni actually did the internship as well, so I was with her the whole time, which I think really, really helped me <laughs>、um, because it was a very tough experience for me. I think the cultural difference and the lifestyle and everything, the weather. Made it really kind of tough, and I remember having days where I just wanted to go home really, really bad. <laughs> but also had such a great experience, especially with meeting the locals and sharing moments with them. That was really, really special for me. So, what was difficult in the lifestyle? The weather I get when you're not used to the heat; it、mm-hmm. just drains your energy quite quite a lot, and、uh, you can feel a bit off. Mm. It tells me a bit more of maybe what was difficult in cult- culturally f- for you to understand or or adjust. I think there's quite a lot of small details. So, like for example, we would work six days a week, which was a lot, and then okay, yeah, that's quite long quite long. Yeah, so you get that one day where you can sort of rest, but then you can't really do anything else if you want to rest. So it's like you have to、yeah. be a bit resting or sort of exploring. Yeah. And then the food was quite a big element because I found it difficult to eat without、um, feeling sick, especially、okay. when it comes to like vegetables.、Um, every time I would eat them, I would get sick. Your mom said, "Have you really stopped?" Yeah, I mean, I remember eating next to nothing because I just felt really. Yeah, it was it was difficult.、Um, and then the water, you have to be really careful as well. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful on the street because everyone just drives like crazy. <laughs> I was riding my bike and I just got killed so many times. And yeah, you just have to really adjust for everything you want to do. Like if you want to get groceries, it's it's very different. There's not you know the things that you would normally eat. You can't find them.、Um, there's no shops. I mean, there's like a few little supermarkets, but it's it's really tiny. Limited.、Um, yeah. Yeah, as I guess as it's so touristy and more with hotels, people don't really like the tourists don't go grocery shopping. So where do the, the locals would go to the markets and those tiny tiny shops then? 
Yeah, so locals mainly either grow their own stuff or they go to the market. Um, right. And then there's like one tiny little supermarket that you can go to, but it's mainly either really, really expensive exported mm. stuff. So like a packet of cereal would be like $7. Yeah. Or just, yeah, local sort of processed food, but mainly yeah. people would, yeah, go to the market. You you see that lots of people selling from the, the streets, you know, they sell fish, they sell fruits, vegetables, mm. all of that from the actual sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, but then like for us who don't necessarily have an adjusted stomach, um, mm. <laughs> like were you able to to buy to buy vegetables uh, on the market and cook them without being sick so i didn't actually go to the market because the thing is they don't actually speak english on the markets okay. and so, yeah, as soon as they see game. tourists yeah as soon as they see tourists they they know you're a tourist so they kind of try and trick you <laughs> <laughs> um so for me i was just really not eating much um mm. i was lucky enough that they fed us at work okay so we could eat in the hotel's um, restaurant, which was quite nice. So I got a good meal at least once a day, which was kind of my main meal. <laughs> and we <laughs> just have some fruit in the morning and some noodles at night or something like that. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, you, you had a backup plan. So that's Yeah. Good. And it was very, very lucky in the sense that I had that hotel that really took good care of, of, of me. Um, and then, yeah, when I went out with my friends, we went to restaurants and because it's such a touristy place they have lots of really lovely restaurants as well that's good all right and so you said the challenges were big but then you also lived amazing moments maybe do you have a couple of highlights perhaps that you want to share with us yeah sure I mean I remember towards the end I was I had many many friends from work that were Cambodian and we went on this beautiful bike ride we went to like a mountain we went all the way at the top and we had this amazing view mm-hmm. and those people are so generous so they really want to yeah. share everything with you they we had some food and then just made me travel those weird things that I had no <laughs> idea what it was but they just they just love to share their culture and that's really beautiful and yeah I remember just going to the bar with them and partying and they love dancing and it's just mm. really really fun um, yeah i actually remember going to one of the Cambodian local clubs yeah. in in siem Reap versus the touristy clubs and it, it was it, they love dancing yeah it was very funny they do and they love beer as well <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah, it's, it's really like easy for them you know you just kind of sit on the floor around the table they just order lots of different food and everyone's kind of helping themselves it's just really really lovely <laughs> and so how did this experience change you you tell me it had um, given you a big culture shock but also brought you a lot and a lot of new perspectives mm. yeah I think it really opened my eyes to so many things because like I said before I always lived in in Europe or in some sort of modern country, and that just really opened my eyes. When I came back, I just see, I just saw things really differently, and I sort of realized how really lucky I was, and how, um, yeah, I was just feeling very much more grateful for everything I had, and even the yeah. small things, and I wasn't complaining as much, and I wasn't as, yeah, just more, yeah, more open-minded in general. I would say. Yeah, we don't always realize how uh, easy of a life uh, we have sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember 
I used to, for example, one example is that I used to complain that I had two days off per week because I thought it wasn't mm. enough. And then I remember telling myself, I I will never complain about this again. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the recommendations piece then in Cambodia. So mm -hmm. I ask all my guests for one bar, one restaurant, and then a carte blanche. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a bar. It's more like a sort of tea place. I hope that's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm not much of a drinker. So it's a place called um, La Couleur du Thé. It's actually a French name. And it's this hidden amazing little place you have to kind of look at the map to find it but it's kind of like hidden in, in sort of a jungle of <laughs> trees and things and it's this little house and this lady makes homemade teas and biscuits and things and there's a little pool that you can swim in as well oh, nice. and you can just sit in those chairs it's just so gorgeous and it's away from everything else so it's not in the middle of the city Hmm. Um, and it's just so so lovely and I remember just really enjoying it and you can have your little tea and cake or a bit of a snack and then go swim in the pool and it's really nice that sounds lovely indeed <laughs> yeah okay what about the restaurants um so the restaurant I thought about this little place that we used to go to which is quite typical of um Cambodia so it was called My Little Cafe <laughs> and it's, uh, it's this little place that looks like nothing from the outside so if you don't know it you would probably just walk by and they just make really um traditional food and it costs uh, next to nothing it's just <laughs> really delicious so they make you know like the salads and spring rolls and all sorts of noodles and things to just have to really just try and order a few bits and bobs and just try it all. Um, but it's just really lovely and it's full of locals and it's it's really nice and really cheap as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's one traditional dish that you really enjoyed or would recommend? One thing I kind of wish I tried but I didn't was those like insects that they eat on the street. But I was <laughs> just like, I'm not sure I want to try it. Um, but I remember they had a, a cafe actually that was called bucks cafe where they only sold um insects okay. <laughs> but yeah i haven't tried it but for me, i think what i like the most was all of the like the noodle dishes because i love yeah. i love noodles <laughs> <laughs> and what about your carte blanche then um i think that would have to be to go and have a massage because <laughs> Being European and French, etc., it's so expensive to get a massage. <laughs> but if you go to Cambodia, you can literally get either a full body or just your feet or just your hands for like $5 or something for an hour, which is nothing. Yeah. And they are just really, really good at it. They give you a little tea and they just give you this massage. It's just so nice and so cheap. So I would definitely say just go to any, any of those massage places and get a little massage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely could do it with a massage this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, nice. So before we wrap up, uh, the last question I ask everyone is, what is your expat song that sort of represents your either au pair journey or Cambodia experience? Yeah, I thought about this. And I couldn't really think of a song that represented all of my experience because it's been so many sort of different experiences. So I suppose I could just give sort of a song that makes me want to travel more and kind of <laughs> gives me that um, excitement and adventure. <laughs> okay. So there's this song, I'm sure you know, by Ed Sheeran, 
called Galway Girl. Um, actually, yes. I haven't been to Ireland, so it's quite funny <laughs> that song. But I don't know why. Every time I listen to that song, I just picture like a big green field and just me running around, and it just makes me want to go and have fun in the world. <laughs> see the world. <laughs> yeah, it's a really happy, upbeat song. Mm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it does have this really lively vibe to it that sort of makes mm-hmm. you want to go and uh, dance and explore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks a lot, Cynthia. Uh, it was lovely hearing from you on your whole au pair experience. I'll definitely link the website you were talking about and also, of course, all the different recommendations. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode, go put a rating on Apple Podcasts and say stay tuned for the next one. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Great having you.